Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm going to talk about what uh, happened here after the plugs, but um, this is this is my second attempt for this show. Um, but I got Vance on the phone now. Hi, Vance. Good evening. Good evening. All right. This show is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products, fatazmuskie.com. Find our website if you're looking for rod holders. If you're looking for baits, don't look us up. Um, it's not that I don't have any. It's just I don't have any updated on the site. Uh, inventory has been fluctuating pretty wildly. And uh, going in to edit inventory, sometimes I miss things, and I hate having to message people saying, hey, you know how you got that bait? Well, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get it. So what do you want to do here? And then sometimes no one answers me, and this has happened more than once this year to where – I just end up having to make a judgment call and, you know, either, you know, just generally refund. With reimburse. Fun. Yes, I, I do what I have to. And uh, you're getting an echo on your in your car, Vance. Am I'm I... almost like, I'm almost home, but okay. uh, I'm terrible about that. I'm sorry about this car. Yes, as you should be. I just got off the water. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, so you were on the water doing what? I was on the water all day, uh, fishing out of a ranger boat. Okay. From Vic Sports Center. Okay. Uh, shout out to them. Shout out to Ranger. Uh, look them up if you're in the boat market. I was using St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. Okay. Check them out. Um, and I, we, Todd, and myself are Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishandguides.com. Get a hold of us. We have some summer evening availability. Um, like I said, I just got off the water doing that. Um, fishing's been good. And uh, give us a call. We'll get you out there and get you on some fish or try to. I was also standing on aqua traction. There you go. But you're much better. At what's supposed to be said there. <laughs> it's really, I just got to look down at, pull up and, and, and see my bullet points I need to hit. But yeah, I remember you, you sent that to me and I was like, that's too much to read. So you just ended up doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you know, reading is hard. Reading is hard. Um, yeah, I think we've brought up this point before. When your kids get to a certain age and you need to read out loud, you know something more than like three words a page, kind of a book. You don't you don't really realize just how hard reading is when you have to verbalize the words. It's an extra step for your brain, <laughs> and uh, it, it does it, it can humble you. Just how much you like your brain will kind of like smooth over the rough edges of your of your speed reading in your head. Yeah, in your head, and then you try to enunciate it, and you're just like. I can't read. Yeah. You don't sound very smart when it happens. And the other thing that gets me is sometimes even like how fast your brain goes through stuff. You'll look at a text message and you'll think, you know what it says, but you didn't actually read it. And you'll carry on a conversation. You're like, wait a minute. And you scroll up like, you know, several texts and you're like, oh my gosh, that's not even what it said. Like I'm not even close. (laughs) Like you're anticipating what someone's going to say. Like you want to react a certain way. So you, your mind places the words and such to make your reaction seem like intelligent. Absolutely. So speed reading. 
anyways, uh, aqua traction. Um, you're looking to upgrade your, your, uh, deck on your boat. I mean, who isn't right? Um, carpet. I don't know anybody, you know, that likes to kneel down on, you know, wet, slimy carpet, you know, the hot, the hot carpet, you know, I know the fish just love to be drug against that dry summer carpet. I love it. You know, it's, it's probably the equivalent of just dry shaving a beard off, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of upgrade your floor. It's time. And, uh, look no further than aqua traction. If you're in the, in our area, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, uh, look up AMF Marine, uh, Nick there will, uh, gladly walk you through the process and, you know, talk different options and, and, uh, just, you know, basic, any, any question that you have, I mean, they've got a great warranty it, the stuff doesn't peel. It doesn't shrink. It, it's great. It installs, you know, relatively quickly and, uh, it looks, it looks fantastic. You, you have, you're at the, you're at the driver's seat here, I should say on what your mm-hmm. boat's going to look like. You have color options, uh, patterns on the floor, you know, what you want, what you don't want. You don't have to do the whole boat. You can just do part of the boat. Um, but you know, definitely look up Nick at amfmarine.com. That is his email. Or if you're in, in uh, other areas, look up aqua traction. Um, we're talking stain resistant. We're talking, you know, not slippery when wet, which is great. Uh, closed cell polyethylene foam. You know, that's a big thing. It's not going to absorb the water. Um, you know, those, all those, if you're on the Instagram and you see all those crazy grooves that they're cutting in and stuff like that, that are like, they're like little rain gutters. It's so cool. You know, when you're taking a three footer, you know, over the stern, when you're trolling and the whole thing's filled with water and, once it starts to get in the build, you'll see how well the little gutter system works to, to get that water away. And that's important because shortly thereafter, when the sun comes out, that'll be dry as a bone and you're going to be rocking it. So, uh, definitely look them up. Highly recommend it. Well said. All right. So, yeah. So I, I kind of alluded to something I knew ahead of time. I, I, I talked to Todd last night and he says, is there a podcast tomorrow? And I said, yeah. He goes, I'm not going to be able to make it. He's going to be fishing till late. And uh, I'm like, well, okay. That's interesting. So. I'm here. <laughs> you're, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just doing what he, what he told me. And then uh, I called Vance at 834. He didn't answer. I called him at 845. He didn't answer. And then uh, I sent him a text. Going to start the podcast. <laughs> and then he <laughs> said, I'll call you in 10 minutes. And I was 14 minutes and seven seconds in a monologue, <laughs> pouring my heart out here. And I, I, I did not know this, but um, our, our voice recorder has six channels. And to kind of have the best sound quality possible, I shut off mic number one. Mic number one is my phone. And mic number two is the one I'm talking into. And I have my mixer. I can kind of see all the line levels and what have you. But I wanted to have like crisp and clean. Like this is going to be you know, like 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 evening news quality, like old-time evening news quality, not the one that's all filled with lies and who knows what else and tickers and this and that and crazy things <laughs> that you can't trust. Like, I, I was going to almost have to point out there's a clock behind me. That's how serious this one was going to be. Needless to say, I'm 14 minutes into this and Vance calls, so I pause it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you on. And I try to hit line one to activate it. No activation. 
and I'm like, oh crap. Okay, maybe maybe I'm gonna unpause this. So then I hit play again, and uh, I hit line one, and it doesn't light up. Come to find out, if you're mid recording, you cannot add or subtract mics <laughs> when you're recording. So people, oh my. what's wrong with you? I was trying to make a, but it was actually just my truck door. Okay. Um, it sounded like you had Taco Bell. Um, no. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you have 14 minutes saved in like, I have 14 uh, minutes of, of me talking about how we're approaching year number seven and everything that's changed. And it could have been like the greatest monologue ever. Oh, it could have been, they, it's going to get buried. <laughs> well, maybe you can drop it like in the middle of the week. It's you know, not it's done like, though. It's not finished. It's not. I don't know what else to, I mean, it, it's going to be there. Maybe someone, if they, like. I mean, it might have been the greatest monologue ever. It very well could have been. I don't know what it, you said, you know. No one's going to know. I know. It's all in my head. And it's also on this SD card, if you know what the file name is. I'm going I'm to label it, do not listen. <laughs> the greatest monologue ever. Do not upload. That's right. Abort. Top secret. <laughs> but that's funny when that happens. So you just essentially will never get that fourteen minutes back. No, that that is part of my life that is gone. Yep. Uh, I mean it's it's here, but you know who knows? Maybe when the asteroid hits us, and and like when they're digging, you know, whatever, in ten thousand years looking for stuff, they're gonna be like, hey, what's this thing? And they're gonna be able to scan it, and they're like, wait a minute. On June 9th, this was very interesting. We had a pattern here every 14 days. Mm -hmm. We had two in one night. Yes. What were they doing that fateful night? They did it twice. One guy was absent, and the other one was hit and miss, but then hit. It's true. Oh, well. I'm here. I'm up at camp now. The season is underway. Well, I mean, my season started, I think it was March 27th, but the Chautauqua season. Mm -hmm. And it's been very good for me. I've had uh, a lot of successful days, and it's nice to be back up here. Um, Business as usual. Uh, But what's interesting is I have some boat stories and stuff, um, but... I'm noticing less traffic on the lakes, big time. I think I can. I, I call on me. I think I know why. Andy, uh, how's five, six, seven dollars a gallon sound? It, tough, dude. I I just dropped three hundred dollars in my truck and boat. It was a double fill up, and I don't think my boat's filled filled up. But people have it worse than us. It still stinks. Well. Um, you know, and, I, and because of that, I think people are just like, you know, what, I'm not taking that trip. I'm just going to fish in my backyard, you know, at a closer lake. I, I, I almost don't want to like I would almost equate it to something else. And I know that there's always going to be those people. But, you know, I think when it really comes down to the nuts and bolts, if you're going to pull someone on a tube or a skier or just drive around at wake speed, you know, mm-hmm. plowing eight feet of water. 
and you <laughs> realize that you're getting like six furlongs to a hogshead, if you guys want to go like real old school here, um, I believe a furlong's 32 feet, and I think a hogshead is something like, I don't know, 16 or 30 gallons or something stupid like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like you, you realize that, hey, I'm I'm sucking like 20 gallons an hour. It's going to cost us $100 an hour to run this boat. There are going to be less people that are like, hey, let's hop in the boat and cruise around the lake just to look. Yeah, this really like will amplify how stupid having a float boat is where people are just like. How about like a houseboat on a lake that's, you know, n- not that big? <laughs> yeah. Let's but, let's but like, spin up the Cummins. The the <laughs> idea of, the idea of the pleasure boat though is, is like really baffling to me because they're they're literally just standing there and they're idle or they're do, or they're doing some type of water activity. But if there's pe- like I understand the wakeboarders, they're they're doing an activity. I understand the jet skiers, they're essentially have a go kart on the water. But when you get like a float boat, like a pontoon. Or if you're in that, uh, if you fall in, in the range of just having a boat to own a boat and you're out on the water, it makes no sense to me. And what, that's what I think when I when I think of a pontoon. I'm like, those people just probably went from, let's just say, an ample amount of square footage to 100. And they're just all piled in together. They're on the lake sitting around. And that they could have the same conversation sitting on their porch, looking at the lake. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it it just, it makes no sense. And there is a lot of less pleasure boating traffic as well. And I think it has a lot to do with, with what, with what you mentioned, Um, which makes it good for me. It it. it makes it good, but you also need to look at like another, another dynamic. And I'm going to, I'm going to, Throw this way back, okay? And this is a theory. Theory. Okay? Don't mm-hmm. don't throw this against me like if, if you feel that it's incorrect. Okay. Um I I want to try to sound smart here, but I it might come off as really like stupid. Um Don't try reading. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's 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 the sum <laughs> of today's episode is please <laughs> Do don't not read. read. Like I, I made it, you know, like in seventh grade, I'm going way down rabbit holes in seventh grade. And we, we had to take art class and this art class. Part of it was silk screening and you had to bring in a shirt and you had to make your own like little silk screen thing. And you had to squeegee the paint and all that crap on it. But you had to have like an original design and he couldn't grade you on your design, but you just how well you executed it. And mm-hmm. I came up with a saying that says, uh, save trees, don't read. And I had a stump equaling a book. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical <laughs> it, it's seventh grade you thought of that yes save trees don't read because you know that they needed the, the yeah, wood product to make the wood. paper yeah absolutely so a- anyways uh going going back to the thing so there, there's a theory about if you remember like all the the old timey photos of like the buffalo how many you know how many buffaloes they stacked up the skulls and all that stuff the railroad went through and just shot millions and millions of buffaloes. Yes. Okay. Well, there is a a theory out there that says that the reason that, that that there were that many buffalo on the landscape was because it happened at the time when 
you know, the Europeans were, were traveling west. But at the same time, Native Americans contracted smallpox and it was ravaging, you know, their populations because they just they weren't exposed to it. And it was, you know, a foreign disease. And it had knocked their population down to where they were not killing as many buffalo and their, you know, number one predator has been, you know, their numbers have been declining, a.k.a. the Native Americans. So there was a time that the buffaloes were able to reproduce and be very successful. So almost like this massacre, while they did do a really bad thing to the buffalo herd, taking it down to very low numbers, those numbers were almost artificially inflated, according to this theory, that they were just running wild because there's nothing there killing them. So... um you kind of see what I'm saying, Vance. I, like, if, if let's just say there was 20 million buffalo on the landscape, there might have really only been three, three or four or five. I'm making up numbers, but because mm-hmm. they were left unchecked, they were really high. And like, you know, said, "Hey, these things are limitless, and just go ahead and kill everything." So mm-hmm. I'm equating that to what happened in 2020: a lot of free money, a lot of people mm-hmm. with free time, the price mm-hmm. of used boats skyrocketed. Anyone that could get near a lake bought a boat. So mm-hmm. left unchecked, these people were buying boats all over the place. Gasoline was still relatively cheap. I mean, extremely cheap, depending on what, mm-hmm. at what time in 2020. So mm-hmm. you had this artificial bump up in boating activity because people had free money, free time, and they got a boat. And we're going to well, go so. out and do what boats do. And we're going to go out and just, you know, boat. Maybe, maybe not know exactly how... You know, everything kind of works, but we're going to be out here. And then now when you take it to where, hey, things are getting really expensive and, uh, you know, we lived X amount of years up until 2020 without a boat, we're going to park this thing. You know, by that time, people that didn't know how to fix boats, they probably broke their boat and now they're waiting and they're like, I'm not paying 120 bucks an hour for a mechanic that's going to touch it in September. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that'll hinder this and uh we're gonna see where the future future goes and I'm I'm very curious to you know, when I go out on my fishing ventures in certain bodies of water, if that's going to stop some of those really big boats that just go yeah. out to to kind of uh, you know, catch dinner and at what point will people say it's just easier for me to buy dinner than yeah. go out and catch it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting that you're that you're seeing that. Um, part of it could also be some people are back at work. That yeah, but I mean that goes back to the theory uh, of the buffalo and that. Um, that's eye opening to me. Maybe I just felt like I was crowded for two years because people had all that free time. Maybe I was used to seeing that and the annoyance of the pleasure boaters and, and things like that. Uh, and it, it made me feel like now it might be back to normal. It, it might be 10 or 15% below average, but for the last two mm-hmm. years, it was 400% above average. Yeah. Well said. I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I just was like, I'm way too comfortable right now. What is going on? And this could also then, you know, and like, let's just say whole lake uh, implications of this. Less boaters out there, less people like, and I talked about, you know, there's 
not everyone that bought a boat in 2020 was inexperienced at boating. But I'm just right. going to say largely there, there was a a percentage of the demographic that was not uh, in tune to like recent boating activity stuff. And they would get out there and say, there's too many weeds on this lake. There's a problem. And then they'll sign petitions and, and go and, you know, try to get sure. something done. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm, I'm not taking that stance, but I'm saying you'll get a whole nother segment of the population voting on something that they perceive as good or bad, that mm-hmm. they might not have a history of actually knowing and understanding, um, you know, but it's, it's definitely, it, it's going to be neat because, you know, now you're going to, I don't want to say neat like it's like, oh, so diabolical. But you're going to have l- local uh, state wildlife agencies and stuff, the people in charge of managing and seeing all this and that. It might get so dang expensive that they can't do some of the stuff that they want to do. And I'm going to go back to the spraying. You know, how much how much effort and stuff, you know, to put the chemicals? How much are the chemicals? Can they get it? Are mm-hmm. they? Uh, is the work that they did in the last two years now going to like kind of take a major hit because they couldn't finish out a plan? You know, I, I don't even know if there is a plan, but I'm just throwing stuff like the domino effect. Yeah, it's also terrifying in a way. Um, when when I when I thought about it out on the lake, and uh, you alluded to it right there. Uh, can you? Can it sustain things like that? I'm like, man. Are we on, because I'm sitting there looking at this lake and I'm used to seeing a lot of people. And I mean, there's a huge holiday that went by. It was 10 to 15% less, maybe. There was, you know, last weekend we had phenomenal weather, same thing. And I'm like, oh my, like, are we on a tailspin here where people are actually being responsible with their money? Is everything going to crash on us? You know, am I even going to be able to do this? Um, you know, all those thoughts go through your mind, uh, with where the, uh, economy is going and how it affects, you know, your, your business and all businesses are, are, uh, are affected, but, you know, I have to put meat in the seats here. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people travel to come to see us and fish with us. And it, it was just it, at one point, like I was thinking, I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is terrifying. Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, I mean, like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to bring up any politics or anything like that. So, you know, if anyone's sitting here saying that we're going to go one yeah, way. Yeah, we're not being th- political th- at all. We're th- just this calling is, it how it is. We're yeah, in the like, there is a point to where how, you know, obviously, you know, uh, equilibrium the market clearing price we're talking about fuel here at what point if people pull way back is mm-hmm. is fuel going to be like hey we just stockpiled up we're going to start dropping prices <clears throat> at what point does it say hey we just had a summer and we were down you know 35 percent selling of you know few fossil fuels and all right we're going to stabilize this out i mean the price of food and the price of fuel i mean you if you're going on a trip you need food and fuel. I mean, mm-hmm. you need tackling fuel water boys. <laughs> um, very nice. Uh, the, you know, so is that gonna, is that, I mean, that could hurt. That could people, there's going to be people out there who say, I don't care what the price is. This is my week. I'm going to do this. And, 100%. And, yeah. and, you know, you're, oh, you're going to always have those people. They're like, this is, mm-hmm. this is me, you know, this is a bucket list or, or what have you. But, mm-hmm. 
I think everyone's in this. I don't. I haven't talked to anybody that's just like, man, am I really optimistic? I mean, everything costs more, and it's just going to be a great, great day. <laughs> I never hear anyone say something like that, and I mean, how, everyone's kind of like, yes. <laughs> I just, it, you know, it, I don't know. Like, we we've survived oh some God. really bad things, and I don't think fourteen ninety nine for seven thirty burger oh, per pound. Please, that's what a blessing. Thank you. I just, I just, I love knowing that this is going to a good cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something you kind of have to keep an eye on. And it, some of my monologue was kind of coming up with like, man, like what what at what point do you draw the line on what's what's really important? Right. I don't think this is going to be a I hope not that it's going to be like, hey, we've got 90 percent unemployment. And there's like for whatever reason, there's a tumbleweed rolling across my yard and the grass isn't growing. I, I don't right, see yeah. that. But... And, and people and, and people like won't be able to pursue their passion, which is, you know, be, the majority is like a, a weekend angler. Uh, you know, I don't think that we'll get that way. But I think the weekend angler is being choosy now. You know, like, should I go here? You know, the, here's my three lakes that I fish predominantly. Uh, this one's closer and I have just as good as you know, got good a chance of getting anything. I'm just going to go here instead. I think people are, are, uh, you know, just, I don't think anybody listening right now doesn't think about that. You know, where am I going to go this weekend? Oh my God, this is kind of expensive. Jeez. Was that even worth it? I'm just going to go here instead. Uh, or not at all. Um, cut it back to every two weeks, every three weeks, something like that. I think that's all normal stuff to think about. Um, but there was just a lot of uh, ideas, it, uh, uh, just a lot of, I don't want to say emotions, but just thoughts that were going through my mind when Chautauqua opened up. At Pima Tuning in the Pennsylvania Lakes that I that I was guiding in in the spring, I didn't notice it at all um, because it always seems like those lakes are very crowded with uh, anglers regardless not but a lot of not up, a lot of pleasure boats on on Palma tuning right yeah there or conneaut like i fished conneaut for a little bit that was really really fun i don't even think i told you about that you did you, you gave didn't. me you gave me you no know, you gave me like a 15 minute snippet yeah but anyway i i fished conneaut this is the first time i never caught a pike for five days in a row it was all muskies which was crazy um but so I'm I'm used to seeing 20 horsepower boats for 65 days or whatever it is, and it's all good. And and the the parking lots are packed. You know, people in in the docks are packed. People are fishing for crappies, and and they're just getting after it on those lakes. And you come up into these areas <clears throat> that uh, are notoriously, um, I would say, like known for money. Uh, you know, Chautauqua is an expensive place to live and you know there are big boats and there's bars and restaurants on the water it's very touristy when you see that uh just kind of come to kind of just like go on the other side of the curve uh it just it gets your brain thinking you're just like "Mm, my god uh you know what's really going on here but 
Well, and, and like, okay, let's let, let's keep this morbid discussion going. Yeah. There. At what point? Like, no one wants to see things go to the crapper. But mm-hmm. there's a segment of the population that truly believes the direction of the country was going in the crapper. And sure. at what? The only way to kind of get it from stop circling the drain is a hard reset. Mm-hmm. You know, some of, you know, some of this stuff is just like, yeah, in order to fix this, in order, to, in order to dig out the sliver, you're gonna have to get the needle and start, you know, going deeper than the sliver to, to pry it out. And, you know, I don't know. It's, I wish the hard reset was as easy as like a hard reset on your phone or your computer <laughs> what or they... what you did with like the mic board. Yeah, just just like, yeah. hit the button twice and we'll just we... hit the button twice. I'm just going to yeah. dump 15 minutes of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And like, so this, this, this brings me back to the forum days. And I remember on one local fishing forum, like it's, when I say local, it's, it's stationed out of Erie and, mm-hmm. but it has like 30,000 members. Okay. It was, a, it was a happening place back in like 08 and 09 when like the housing market crashed and everything was looking doom and gloom. And, you know, I was a lot younger back then, but I'm like, oh, whatever, I can still go fishing and, uh, you know, do whatever. The, um, I, I remember someone making comments on that board saying, do you think that the PA Fish Commission is going to be changing the limits on the fish? And this person was forecasting such doom and gloom that he thought, that the people were going to be coming to the local lakes and rivers and fishing so hard because they could not afford food that they would be keeping every legal fish they could to feed their family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that seems a little extreme. (laughs) Like that's, that's really extreme. Like it's it's going to be so bad that we're falling back on the natural resources to feed. You can only, instead of having six or five walleye, you can only have two. You can only keep 10 pan fish. Right. And like any roadkill deer is fair game. It's just going to be like, I am legend. <laughs> and when he got into the, the abandoned building and they're all hovered around. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fair play, but I look at it on, I try to be optimistic about it. And obviously if businesses were dying and people were out of work, and our business still kept going. You know, the, the, the musky industry was like on fire, you know, it, it, I mean, it's all generally good, you know, for us, but you could just see like uh, people were throwing up baits during this time of the uh, pandemic. And they were, it was like, here's a new baits, 50 bucks, boom, gone. People were very, very, uh, aggressive and in purchasing and they still are like the money comes in and out of musky fishing like crazy with how powerful of a niche is so if a a pandemic didn't destroy people's fishing where they were literally jobless and businesses were closing um and had no work i don't think that five dollars six dollars seven dollars is going to completely turn out the lights on um, fishing, musky fishing, the industry. Oh, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's easy mm-hmm. to, 
to just fall down in the pit of doom and despair. But there's also, I believe that there's always a light that the people that that want to go and do this are going to go and do this. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's going to, you know, when all the dust settles, the landscape will be a little bit different, but it's going to build back. Yeah. And we'll look back on it and be like, this is crazy. How, how crazy people are over these fish. I mean, it's just like unbelievably powerful um, because we'll see the pandemic and people like, yep, it was good. And then we'll see how expensive everything was and people were still fishing. And we'll be like, this thing's like a bacteria after an A-bomb went, went off. You know, it's, it's, it's unkillable, the, the musky industry. It's crazy. <laughs> so, But yeah, like just from at first glance, that's what I've seen so far throughout the season. Um, I would say that, that as, as a net takeaway, not digging deep, that is a good thing for an angler. Yes. Not having yeah, to I, deal with, you know. It's, it's a great time to fish. Johnny Blowhard just not knowing what he's doing, cutting you off between you and your weed bed, waving you like, hey, buddy. And just, oh, I know. I even had I even had some clients like say like look at this guy he's a jerk and i'm not even paying attention because he's not like really in my danger zone periphery he's like i don't know quarter mile ahead of me cutting in front of me and they're like what an ass you know and i'm like you want to hear stories and you get the thousand yard stare going (laughs) i was like that is very mild this is this is nice (laughs) that was actually a nice gesture we used to play closest to the horsepower number whoever can bank yeah. it off the, the, the engine cover we used to we used to play as fishermen and pleasure boaters who could kill each other first it's called the game of chicken it. yeah we, but yeah it's uh so that's that's what i've seen up here um it is a, it is a nice time to fish um so if you can get out there go um to each their own on that um and we'll see how the season goes from there. Yeah. I have a confession I to make. God. I haven't even bought a fishing license yet. Very nice. <laughs> I put my new boat registration stickers on last night. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's about time. So I got the rag and wiped the dust off from not algae I... stain, but the dust off of the old yeah. sticker. That's hysterical. Um, Pennsylvania is trying to like get with the times with their hunting and fishing licenses and it's going like mobile. So you could do it on your phone if anybody's listening uh, and cares about Pennsylvania, but you can hit like the reoccurring payment on it. So you renew at the beginning of the year. And that's what I did uh, with mine. Um, which is and, which and is cool. I, I'm trying to think. Do you still? I know in your hunting license. You don't have to display it on your back, but the fishing license. I thought you still kind of had to display it. But is that? It's really weird. It's like a transition of laws. You do not have to display it, but um, and and I'm pretty sure the game wardens are are aware of that. But um, the eye of public opinion. There's there were many people saying like. Hey, you can't go out there and fish like a guy fishing from the dock. Where's your license at? You know, yelling at somebody that was launching their boat and they have, you know, the, the license on their hat. It looks very like uncomfortable and weird. 
And you, you but what you have you to do, okay, you got to understand this. So I, I don't know if this is for any other states, but like, like back in the day, my dad would have his fishing license pinned to his hat, and he'd like mm-hmm. put it on, and it'd be kind of like a little mud flap in the back, mm-hmm. and like it wouldn't necessarily hang down below the hat. But then, like, if you were going to go on a boat that was fast, so not to be bothered by, like, the little flappy tailwind, mm-hmm. you would then take the license. You'd have it pinned in such a spot that you could then put it through the little hat adjuster, like the perimeter adjuster. You'd tuck it mm-hmm. inside that and put it on your head, and it held it tight between your melon <laughs> and your hat. That was the thing to do back in the day because it was like they wanted you to have this exposed, and a lot of people just put it on their hat. Mm-hmm. It was always on the hat or even fishing vests, which trout is very popular over here. There was even like a place on vests that you, say you bought at a sporting goods store where you could slip it in. It was like a name tag badge almost. Yes, and then I was I kind of went against the the status quo. I put it on my fupa, that was that was uh, my uh, like, my, my key fob for the uh, trolling motor. I, yeah. And then I would carabiner it to a belt loop. And uh, I've been checked yeah. two times that I know, and they're like, "Do you have a license?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and I pull out the fupa, and it was hanging there. Mm-hmm. They never actually came up to see if I had a current year. They just wanted to see like I had something on me. I could have literally just folded paper and just put it in a baggie. It's right here, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anymore, like, you know, and then then you hear the people like, well, you better have it displayed because that's just another reason for them to stop and question you and then ask you to do a safety check. So just show it, you know, have it. Have it like okay, so like so that's the thing. He's like, I'm gonna put it on my hat so I don't have to have that fire extinguisher that could save my life. <laughs> like, there's enough. There's a, yeah, exactly. There's another. Thing, there's another thing that um, it, as a guide in Pennsylvania, you have to like display your badge to be a guide. You get um, what do I want to say? You get like an embroider an embroidered patch. And then you get stickers and you're supposed to put them on your boat. And generally where it's displayed is like on your windshield or say you have a tiller boat, uh, you could put it on the hull, but they want to see it on the windshield. Um, just so everybody knows that you're a guide out there. Um, and that's outdated. I, th- I think that like, that's crazy that I would have to like show up here as like a boy scout with, uh, you know, or a man of, man or woman of service to show you know my badge of being a guide you know and then this is my congressional medal of fishing guide yeah and then like putting it on my um my windshield like completely blocks the heck out of my periphery when i'm driving you know instead of being able to see i just see the white a back of a big round white sticker and that's your purple heart okay this is good and, and nice and uh, this makes sense to do, you know, to put all this display stuff up there. I, I think I think it's terrible. I, I, I like the idea of not having to display a thing except for, you know, your boat registration uh, to be visible. But Pennsylvania's getting with the times a little bit. You know, the, I, I completely like you remember my hunting 
license last year. Oh, it got it, well, it oh, got, like it the, got, like the ear tag ripped out of the deer when you were dragging it. Well, that happened once too, but um, I had purchased them, and then I had a family member come up that doesn't know what the heck a, uh, a license looks like. Moves it, I lose it. It was for a doe tag, and um, so I go on Pennsylvania on on my Pennsylvania. Um, website and i look and there's a there's a tab down that says like reprint license so i reprint the license and i call him and i'm like hey you know i'm going out doe hunting tomorrow this is like for our set our saturday or whatever the heck we did and and uh they're like well that actually doesn't count we still need to mail you one in and i was like okay so i have to wait until you mail it seven to 14 business like, days until the yeah, season's over the end of the season they were like or you can drive to you know the courthouse and and get it reprinted there i was like well then what the heck is the point of this online thing you know why does everything have to be so displayed well i, I mean I, I i get it but it's like it's also it's kind of a weird thing that like i can electronically prove to you that i have a valid tag that I'm legal, yes. And, you know, I haven't put it on anything else, you know, and I, I get that there's a gray area there of like, well, how do we know you didn't use it? it mm-hmm. Your deer's somewhere else and you're just saying you don't have it and you never reported it. You know, you know the, the level of distrust there, I guess, if, you know, I, 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 see their, I see their point, but it's also at the same time when like, when you're just like, hey, there was a mistake made. I don't have my tag. And right. Like, well, that's uh, terribly inconvenient, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, displaying the badges of honor, but whatever. We barely I talked mean... about musky fishing. Oh, I know. I think we talked about the current times. You know of of what's going on. I have a boat story, um, and you know, I I don't care what people say about you know like. If we're not how tours, we never were how to. Holy crap. I was talking about that in the monologue. You, you know, we were never how to people. We were always against the grid. You know, that's what we represented. Now that there's other shows and things like that, it's just like picking up another ma- the magazine. It's just convoluted with the same stuff you hear. Big rubber, big water, big waves. When, when do you oval versus figure eight? Yeah, it's it's just the same stuff. So like we're not we're not how tours. We're very realistic people, but um, but I, so I I don't I don't give it a hell. Like I'm not going to be here and be like, well, you know what? It's the early season. So what do I do? I go out I there, crack open a cold one. Yeah, I go <laughs> out there, and you know, a fish follows in on the double ten, and my throwback bait's a bulldog, and I got one on it once seven years ago so that's an article you know i'm not going to do that you know that's insanity and those people don't catch fish so but uh boat stories funny things that happened to me three days ago um on d-day three days ago on yeah three days ago on d-day um we had horrible storms up here and i wasn't using anything to have a, a throwback bait with or anything like that. Uh, we went 11 for 13 and it was horrendous weather. I mean, just terrible. No one was out there except for me because I'm an idiot. And 
I'm still pretty obsessed with this stuff. So I go out there. It's pouring down rain. Um, I'm still not like used to being up at the camp and, you know, I'm torn to like drive home to see my family. So things, there's a lot of moving pieces and, and, uh, things that are getting missed by myself, uh, just because my mind's all over the place. Cause like, I miss my family. I miss my son, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, I didn't have, um, my rain gear. But I don't really like fishing in rain gear. I like just using the bimini and saying, like, anything. You can do anything terribly for, you know, a minute. So if I have to, like, be in the elements and, and I'm in jeans and a sweatshirt, like, I'll be good. But this day was raining like crazy. And I, uh, I launch and I'm driving and it's just we're driving into the storm so you can imagine i'm going into the into the waves and into the wind um but i feel cozy because i have the bimini up and but the back is open but all that stuff's going right over us because i'm going into in the direction that the storm is if i would turn around it would come right into the cockpit and it would be miserable so I'm like, man, this looks pretty bad. And I'm looking at the radar and I'm seeing that it's not going to let up and we're going to have fronts rolling in and out. I better put up the rear curtains and just treat this day like it's a fall day. It was cold, windy, wet. And that's just some of the early season stuff you deal with. Um, and like while I'm thinking about that, um, the rod goes off. So get up, we reel the, the fish and we're trolling on this day. It's, it's horrendous weather. I'm not having anybody cast in this stuff, you know, and nor was what the guy want to do that. Um, but I get drenched immediately. And uh, once you're drenched in a rainy day, you're obviously not going to dry off. So once I like mentally got like was, was good with that, um, it was just made for a more comfortable day. I was like, I'm going to be soaked for eight hours. All good. No problem. But I still put the, uh, the rear curtains up and things like that. And, uh, the next two fish that hit were big and they got off. And I was, I was still like, I was irritated about this. And the client that I was with, I was out, um, I was, uh, he, he's come out a lot. So he got to, he, he knows me. I can act like myself in front of him and, um, but still being professional. Uh, I was visibly upset about these fish getting off because I was soaked. It was a terrible day. And I knew that these were very big fish. And uh, from that point on for the rest of the day, boom, 10 hit. They all stayed on short story. Here's what I was thinking about. What's more important when this happens? There were many things that were going through my head that just were, I was irate about. I was like, you know, stupid fish, blah, blah, blah. Just thinking about it. And, um, just getting like progressively more, more angry and more motivated throughout the day to catch fish. And I was thinking in that time, I'm like, what's more important. I was, 
is it the how sharp your hook is? Is that important? Would you say that's important? I would. I would definitely say that. Yeah, that would be a. Uh, that's very important. That, I, I would say yeah. That that's important. I, I I'm trying to figure out what you're going to compare it to, so we could kind of rank them. But I I would say a sharp hook is a is a good thing to have. How big the barb is. I would take a sharp hook over a big barb. You would take a sharp hook over a big Like if you told me a small barb but a sharp point versus a dull point with a big barb, mm-hmm. give me give me the razor blade. I, I want that thing to, to pierce like, like a hypodermic. Okay. That's my right. my opinion. Okay. Sharp hook over a dull hook with a big barb. Sharp hook with a small barb. But wouldn't you say that in a perfect world, you're in a perfect musky world, your hooks should be very sharp. And I make sure of that when I'm out there. Mm-hmm. You do the same. Mm-hmm. What if the barb is very small on that hook? How do you, you know, the, there's so much pressure that happens with that hit. Bang. You know, it penetrates easy, but I think that, you know, during that fight, especially when you're trolling, uh, there's just so many things that can happen for that fish to try and shake off. They go crazy. They go absolutely crazy. They want to jump, run, slack line, whatever. Um, you penetrate with that sharp hook, boom, wherever it is, where you want it to be in the corner of the, the mouth, of course. But, you know, when you're musky fishing, if you do this, you know that they hit all over the place. They'll spit mid mid fight it'll end up on the side of their face things like that wouldn't you say that that penetration is important but the ability to hang on to that penetration that you made to stick is just as important i would okay so to answer that i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of put it analytically on how i would think if you were a person that, depending on your fighting style and your experience, a big giant barb is very helpful. With that said, um, a big giant barb can make a big giant ho- uh, hole in their head. Um, yeah, it'll be less less of them to throw. But now, also, not all barbs are created equal. You can have some really awful design barbs. The um, I agree. And uh, in mass production hooks, some might come out that look blemmy. You know that that just yeah that yeah the, by definition you're a barb, but you kind of suck. You know you you weren't yeah. very good right out of mm-hmm. the gate. Um, I guess like kind of going back to if if I had one or the other. I would rather like I'd even take a barbless hook that's sticky sharp. I'm I'm talking like like one of those ones that like you can't even get it near fabric because it's going to be pulling up you know threads. Something that it just touches your hand and it's you know that it's it's gone in. And and the reason being is that if we've all felt dull hooks and like you can run them across your skin and they just kind of roll. Yeah, they might be pokey. But you have that hit some cartilage, some teeth, something hard, and it's just going to kind of slide around until it finds a soft spot. Mm-hmm. And then you hope to have enough pressure to push it through that soft spot. 
But when you have those ones that are just like icky, stupid, just they stick to you. If they you look at them and you bleed pretty much. Yeah. Like it hurts your eyes. Yeah. And like if they if they take a take the bait full, let's just say it's like, I don't know, pick a bait that's like six, seven inches and they put it in their mouth fully. Say a, a rubber bait's a good example. Because if they, if, they, if it know. slides in their mouth and it's, it's super sharp, it's going to dig into some skin. It might not penetrate through some thick cartilage, but it's there. But you got another hook that's swinging around, and mm-hmm. it's going to stick into something. So if he starts shaking and stuff starts to move, it's still going to slide and dig. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I think I believe that there are some times that the fish shakes the hooks only to get rehooked in the process of being unhooked. One hundred percent. And I would I would put my money on a super sharp tip to hold it there because I like I, I've discussed this in the past. It's been a while since I've caught one and it's not it's it's just because I just I, I haven't found the time to fish. But when I do, I get a good hook set, make sure it's in there. I spin that drag all the way back and I I am the Play the, fish. the lightest fight mm-hmm. you'll ever see if the fish wants to swim i'm gonna let it swim but i always have a light tension on the rod because again i've seen it where you're pulling as hard as you can they're pulling just as hard back if they're not down they're there not thrashing, thrashing they're not gonna throw hooks so i just you keep light pressure so they don't have slack i mean really light pressure and you just kind of like bring them in real nice you scoop them up yeah it's not thrilling and you know you get the bloodthirsty you know adrenaline pumping I get my photo, you know, if I need to, even if it's just a net photo, Hey, got one. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I would, that's where I would put it. Give, give me this. Okay. Give yeah. me the sharp we, ones. You can, you can expand on this. I would take the sharp hook, the sharpest hook, the crappy barb. Correct. While I'm casting. Okay. I feel like I'm more engaged with that fish when I set that hook. Bang, you know, it's on. You're there from the beginning to the end. Yeah. You know, that fish hits, you just, boom, you set it, you know it's on. You know, now there's many times in casting where you miss a hook set, you know, and then you might catch it in the side of the face. Like you said, it hits it, it throws it, it's on. But if I get perfect world hook set, bang, set that hook, I know it's pinned. And I can play it in, as you as you said. I want the sharp hook. It's why people, some people say, you know, you can catch them with barbless hooks. It's like a purist fly thing. They just need one hook. They don't even need the barb because they're banking on their ability to keep the pressure or uh, lack thereof pressure to fight that fish to get it in. If, if after the first five to eight seconds, I can pretty much tell you if, I, if I'm going to lose the fish or not. I set the hook, and if if that fish is still there after five or six and I get my, my rod where I want it and I still have tension, I can pretty much tell you, like, with good certainty, this fish is coming unpinned or it's not when I'm casting. 100%, yeah. I, I get that. So, okay. I, I, I think I know where you're that going comes, with this. That comes, that comes with casting. I feel more engaged. Yep. Um, trolling. This is where I prefer a very sharp hook and a bigger barb mm-hmm. because I, I think that there's a lot of um, 
other things going on that can make that fish either be in your net or spit. It has to be absolutely perfect. You know, that, that fish has to attack that crankbait or whatever bucktail or whatever you're trolling to crank it in the, in the side of its mouth. You know, essentially the boat is doing the hook setting and the fish is doing the hook setting. You know, you're not there to set the hook as if you were casting. So with how widely those fish are, boom, you know, they hit and they shake real quick and they spit. And even when they're on and, you know, you're clearing lines, you're doing all these other things, you're trying to fight the fish it's going bananas and you're finally engaged with this fish. It could have already spit, you know, it could be pulling so hard that it's creating a hole in its mouth. It's trying to back that hook out. Um, that extremely sharp hook with a small barb. It's trying to back it out, just fighting for its life. Everything's happening. Um, and in that case, I want, I want the bigger barb to, latch onto something so I don't feel like it's going to spit the hooks as easy. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I let you, I let you go all the way through and you hit just about all the points I was going to say, but so like people, I think really people do not understand how much force they really have when they set the hook casting. It's, it's dog crap. Like if you really think that like, Oh my gosh, I'm strong. You know, I can bench press 700 pounds, this and that. Set the hook next to a scale. It is depressing how weak you are. I'll take you one further. Okay. I bet you, I bet you, not our, not our rubber baits, not our rubber baits. I bet you, if I, gra- if I grabbed a pounder, and you know how the hooks hang on a pounder, there's a space in between. Yep. I bet you if I squeezed that as hard as I could in between the hooks, and you ripped it, I bet you I wouldn't get hooked. Oh, I, I would, I would go with that. So like, so what you're saying is we have a test is we, is we put a, and, and the reason why, and it's not like, cause we think we're holier than thou it's, it's how we have the hooks designed and placed on the baits, but everyone mm-hmm. can pick up, you know, whatever your big favorite, you know, your big scrubby curly tail bait, you know, one that's of size. And there is a, like a front hanging hook and a rear hanging hook. What Vance mm-hmm. is saying is you take your hand and you wrap it around the midsection of that bait and you mm-hmm. go out, I don't know, 20 feet and it's connected to a leader, to the line, to a guy, to your buddy holding a fishing rod. And they're going to be like, okay, time to set the hook. And they're going to say, you know, all right, one, two, three, I'm going to pull. And you're just holding on with like your fist, just grab onto it. I bet you with a moderate grip, them setting the hook would not slip that bait in your hand. That's what you're getting at. That's what I'm getting at. And I can also see this like being a terrible test for people. That do are not like, do hey, this. Do, do not do this. Do not do this. Do but, not try it. But mentally think about it. Yeah. Now put a glove on that has spikes on it. <laughs> so, so like, like you got like this spike hand thing. Yeah. And, uh, and grab onto it. Um, but okay. So getting back to the whole casting thing. I believe that like well, you were you were talking about a tester about like how weak it actually is if you would sit there and like if you if, if you had a scale it. like one of those fish scales that that have like you know it's a spring scale but mm-hmm. like there is a plastic piece that kind of slides along with like 
the indicator and mm-hmm. it'll tell you like, Hey, this thing maxed out at this weight, you know? So like you could do a quick hook set and it might, it might literally be like, I, I, I'm guessing 10 or 12 pounds of an actual force. And what, what ends up happening and I've discussed this, I think, a long time ago, was the longer the rod you have, the weaker your hook set is. Mm-hmm. It just, your body can only produce so much power. So let's just say your body can produce two horsepower, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, that two horsepower is going to get transferred to the rod tip. The further the way that rod tip is from your body, the less force it has because it has a, a bigger motion. Like the angle that you can pull that is... The, the the tip is further away. So the radius of that, it's going to be moving like substantially further than if the rod was a half the length. So right. you, what you're picking up is you're picking up a lot of tip control. You're picking up a lot of line per, mm-hmm. per sweep. But like, if you go grab like a six foot old timer jerkbait rod and you lay mm-hmm. the, lay the wood to it, you're going to put more force, but through a smaller, pickup line pickup the line is not going to be moving nearly the distance of a big 10 and a half foot rod but that distance it moves it's going to have more force and that's just right. basically what this is coming down to is you can only produce so much power, so much power. Are, are you going to have this go for 60 inches with less power or 12 inches with a lot of power or right. comparatively a lot of power so You'd be shocked just how weak your hook sets really are when you actually see the tension in the line. Um, but now let, let's go to let's go to the boat. The boat might be three thousand pounds, traveling at four and a half miles an hour. The fish mm-hmm. can be whatever weight you want it to be. That fish is going to come up and grab it, and it might try to turn. It might try to swim with it. But it's going to grab it, and all of a sudden, it's going to be like, you're going four and a half miles an hour until this yeah. drag starts to slip. And, mm-hmm. you know, like some of this stuff, if, if you ever work around ever heavy equipment, holy smokes, that was a lot of feedback. Um, Sorry. Work around a lot of heavy equipment, and you're just like, like, let's pick on an excavator, okay? So you're by a mini excavator or something like that. They're digging a trench, and you look at that bucket, and you're like, oh, that's only a, you know, whatever, a 12-inch, you know, bucket there. That's not that big of a deal. How would you like it if they extended the boom and they put it to where the bucket was like head level and you're like, okay, I'm going to let you move it three feet away from my head and then give it full hydraulics and hit me. It might only hit you at 10, 15 miles an hour, but you're down. You're, you're like, mm-hmm. you could practically be dead. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of like what happens with the boat. The boat is not going to slow down for a 15 pound fish. You're, you you might feel something like the boat might just do a little jiggle, but well, doesn't that what doesn't doesn't that come down to pounds of drag as well on your reel? It, it, yes, it can. I mean, and, and so a lot of it ha- would have to then go into how do you have your rods placed? Like, is the rod pointing straight back? Are you are you straight out the side? Are you down in the water? Some of this stuff comes into play, but. It will get to a point to where if your drag, let's just say you have a lockdown drag. Todd's Todd's talked about, I haven't had this happen. It might even happen with you guys. You had a fish hit that was small and your drag might've been set for like a normal fish and it killed the fish. Was, yeah. Did that happen at cave run? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had a small fish hit 
and you just reel in and, and it's just they're dead it snapped it his neck dead. or whatever and, um, yeah, there was there was one when a smaller fish hit and one of the points the extra sharp razory point went like directly in between the eyes and it was just dead yeah so there there's there's some things there that like like i said with that mini excavator hitting you upside the head that's what that felt like to that fish it was swimming along i'm gonna kill this thing next thing you know it's just it broke its effing neck mm-hmm. and uh right um so you know you kind of try to play that with the drag and you know if you kind of knew what fish was going to hit, you could set your drag accordingly. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's still going to be the fish pulling away in the boat, and the boat is not going to stop for this fish. So right. you could, you still want sticky, sharp hooks. But in the process of that hook cutting their skin, there might be turning, they're coming up, swiping, grabbing the bait, and trying to go back down. The boat's saying, uh-uh, sorry. So that fish could actually feel like its weight got hit twice. Like, okay. Like it, I got you. And, and so when it, in the process of that puncturing its skin, it could actually rip the skin and cause a bigger hole. And that bigger hole, you know, can be mitigated by having a larger barb. Would, you know, like, so if you have something that's a 16th yeah. diameter and a quarter inch hole, well, you would expect mm-hmm. that to fall out more than an eighth inch. You know, one right. with, like with a barb that's a little bit bigger, and that does come into play. But, but really, like also with trolling, there's a level of like you were saying a disconnect there, to where very rarely is the rod like actually in your hand. You're engaging the fish from the very get go. That fish is going to hit. It might take two or three pumps before that reel starts screaming, and then by the time you kind of you know do what you do, your routine, whether you idle it back, you grab a rod, you you, you put some up this and that. It could be three, four, five, seven seconds. You you don't know. By the time you get to it, there's a lot that can happen in that time where your body is not constantly reacting. It's it's the boat, and the boat does what the boat does. Right. And you're 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 relying off sound at that point. In that in that regard, when the rod goes off when you're trolling, do you engage immediately, as quick as you can? What's your preference? I mean, it's it's fun to like, jump boom, up and, and, and have the fire drill, flicker, but I, I think it would also be go, circumstantial. Flicker goes off. What does Andy do? Boom. What do you do? Um, is someone in the boat with me or am I by myself? <laughs> Someone's in the boat with you. Someone's in the boat. Um, depending on who gets the fish, uh, one is going to be, okay, what rod is it? And you kind of make just the decision. Just, just I'm, say you're up. I'm up to up. bat. I'm going to try to get the rod and I'm going to try to get it out of the holder. And I'm going to try to get the fish in the rod position where I'm like, this is my fighting position. It's okay. going to probably be around 10, 10 o'clock, 1030. Around yeah. that time, I want a good bend. I want to have weight on them. And then I'm going to take my other hand and try clearing a rod. Okay. But j- just say in a perfect scenario, though, say I'm fishing with you, you're up, and the rod goes off. Are you immediately to that rod or do you let it run? I want to get to the rod. And if I see I it just like that. screaming, I'm going to probably wait till it's done. Cause I think I can only mess it up. Like if I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I need this thing to stop screaming because there's mm-hmm. a lot of tension on everything. So right. like when I'm like, okay, it's, it's go time. Get this thing out. I'm going yeah. to get it out at the soonest time. I think it would be right. I, I am the same way because I'm generally the first to the rod. Mm-hmm. So boom, that rod goes off. I'm there. 
bang, you know, 0.3 seconds. Let's go. And then there's usually a handoff to a client, but I engage that fish immediately and I can almost assess what's happening with that fish. If it's hooked good, if it feels like it's going to get off, like you said, when, when it's ca- when you're casting, but there's still that gray area of not being so involved, you know, because you're using that boat. There's uh, a lot of things that can, ha- that, that happen because you're not, it's not hands-on immediately. So boom, Oh, fish is on. We got it. We got it. Do you let it run? Do you, do you start cranking immediately? There's all those things that happened. Um, personally, I get to the rod quick and I try to engage the fish immediately. My idea is, especially with clients, is to get that fish to turn to the tension and just to start swimming at us so I can try and net it as fast as I can. There's not a lot of play going on with that. Um, I want that fish to turn to the tension. You know, there's no playing with the drag. I set it how I want it to. There's, I just want it, you, I want that fish to feel the pressure to try and start to come at me so I can net it. Whereas if I'm casting and I set the hook, it's much more engaging and I can get a feel of when the fish need, turning the fish, if it's going to go on a run, I can drag back my drag off i can open up the spool if it's going crazy at the boat and let it run before i get it to my net angler um so trolling's just a little like what i'm trying to say when i'm when, when trolling and a fish gets off that hit is there's something missing there there's a connection missing there with it's it's not as hands-on um, it's still awesome to do, but it's you're not as hands-on as if you were to hook it while you're casting. So in that regard, I want something that sticks, that penetrates and sticks harder um, in that, uh, in there. It's like, like a, like a drywall screw. If you miss a stud, you know, mm-hmm. you can penetrate that wall real easily, but if you hang something up there, and it has it's a weighted picture, and it's not in a stud. It's going to sink and rip the drywall. You know, yep. eventually, it's going to make that hole bigger. But if you put the casing around it, that plastic piece, um, you know, it grips better, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I. That's where I want to be with my hooks trolling. Now, do you? actively change out hooks to have one with a bigger barb or do you like avoid baits with small barbs or you just like this is my ideal situation i don't have the time to deal with this i'm running the hooks that they come with i'm running the hooks that they come with and if something terrible happens i will i will change it but as we've alluded to before if you put different hooks on things you know these 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 baits that are that are tested and ran are, are with the set hooks that are sent with. And if you change it and put a big giant hook on there, it's going to change that action. So I, I usually roll the dice with it. And then when something negative happens, like the fish gets off at the boat or something like that, I'm like, gosh, darn it. You know, I wish that barb was bigger. Well, well you know, you, you put, you pay, 
play the shoulda, coulda, woulda. And, you know, I'm just trying to find in a perfect world, in an imperfect setting, actually, you know, with, with, with trolling or casting, to try to find some type of perfection where all the fish stay on. You know, that's what, you, you know, that's what every angler wants to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking things like that, but it's something to consider, you know, what do you like? Or, you know, all, all hooks should be sharp, but the barb should be there too. And there's really nothing that you can do as an angler with a barb. There's no way to sharpen it. You know, if you mess with it, you might clamp it down. So even sharpening the barb, that that, that kind of gets a weird thing there because you don't really want you want that to slide through the skin. You don't want it to cut. Correct. You almost want it rounded, so it kind of like mm-hmm. elongates the hole and then it collapses once it's beyond it. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, it's, it, it's it's one it's, of the, it, it's so hard to implement. But it's one of those mental gymnastics that you go through with like, ideally, I would like to almost have, you know, because the bigger the barb, the more pressure it takes to get through. You almost want like, I want to design a hook that it's barbless until it senses flesh and then it opens up. Yeah. <laughs> like I want it. I want an umbrella barb to where when it, it goes through, <laughs> then it just like, it goes from a 16th wire to like three eighths of an inch. <laughs> it's like the spitter from Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah. Isn't don't don't some arrows do that like the rage arrow like it turns into something like it's as big as a car and then the deer disintegrates. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so so some of the mechanical got, heads yeah but not it's as big not, as a bowling ball. Yeah. I like how they spell out there's like some arrows that you can put like a like a 9 millimeter shell in the tip so when it hits something it gauges the primer and it then fires a... <laughs> I'm gonna have a bullet barb on mine <laughs> when the fish hits it it blows their head off I can go take pictures on bloody water and seagulls that's right seagulls are just following your boat because it just has a, a, a chum oil slick behind it from the we death. got them we got them that was that was definitely a fish. you gotta really watch for the diver down flag <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it was it's just little things like that that i was thinking about and it, it it came on that day and you know i was just in some type of way mentally about these fish and which is you know not a bad thing at all it's not not bad problems but i was just thinking like all my hooks are razor sharp would it be like a better advantage for me and the clients to have just like an oversized barb on these things? Like, you know, and that, and that's, that's what begs, begs the question. Are you, are you into the barbs? Or are you into the sharpness of the hook? And I, I think it's situational. Um, but to also kind of put it is like, you know, whatever you, you're going to, you, you can't anecdotally say, this is a better thing because there's nothing, there's no two circumstances that play out exactly the same way. And did Mm -hmm. that fish come off because the hook straightened a little bit? Did that fish come off because it jumped and it was tail walking and it was flinging its head everywhere? Did it come Mm -hmm. off because you were horsing it? Did it come off because you just weren't doing anything? You slack lined them. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember we, uh, one time we, we had a fish hit trolling and it was like one of those, the rod bent and then boom, like, 
what what the heck happened? You, you and then you know we we look back like seconds later and the thing just jumps out like Shamu shaking its head, and it throw we watch it throw the bait twenty feet off to the side. It was mm-hmm. it was an upper forties, and I'm like, what happened? And you know whatever thirty inch thirty six inch trolling leader it it cut the line like a foot above the the knot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it somehow got the main line in with it, severed the main line. And we, That's we got, incredible. we got the bait that had, you know, some power pro or whatever braid I was running at the time. Mm-hmm. And the whole leader, like that fish was able to throw that bait very quickly. Yeah. But yeah. That, Interesting. You, you, Interesting. You can't, yeah. You just, and you like, can't have, you can't have it perfect. No, because like once you have it perfect, you're gonna have one fish that doesn't doesn't fit the perfect thing, and it gets away, and you're like, well, I mm-hmm. got to go back to the drawing board. Unless you want to have the 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 bullet barb. Unless we have the bullet barb. Well, h- just... how about one better? It should be, um, so you the can at least release. Barb. You can at least re- like relieve uh, release the fish as you have like that electroshocker. So like when the fish hits, it turns on the switch and it just hits them with some like, I don't know, like stun gun type voltage and the fish floats up, you turn around and pick it up. And so it's actually less stressful on the fish. You don't bust up their tails and, uh, in the net and you're not like ripping their jaws off. Yes. You're not breaking all their jaws with the boga and you can take a really nice fish photo and you, and you just know it's going to come too. Yeah. So, I, but the thing is, is you're going to have to have like a nine volt battery or something in it, or like a USB charger. <laughs> it has like, well, we are, we are going electric. So yeah, it just has a bunch of coiled wire around it. <laughs> the fish hits and you can like see its skeleton for a second. Like in home alone too. <laughs> That's right. When he's, <laughs> he smokes them by cranking the welder, which is so yeah. far fetched, but. Uh, it's, it's but that's great. that's where you know i know greg has been talking you know a lot in the, in like past years about running wire line that's where you're going to be running wire line you're just going to like yeah i'm going to give it like full juice here so you just cook a grounding wire onto it and you're like <laughs> the fish hits and it just activates like the limit switch and it's just like the line just starts to smoke and it's just like <sighs> yeah that's another great idea. <laughs> what is this? Well, this is a transformer we wired up. It takes 12 volts up to 50,000. <laughs> this is basically like six electric eels at once. It's a, it's enough to stun a hippo. It's very safe for on water, on the water. <laughs> We're just going to be dragging wires. We're going to put <laughs> rods in the water, but the rods are just dragging the electrodes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's something to think about. You know, we've never the water's boiling that. behind the boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a bubble trail behind you. <laughs> it, it, it's something to think about. I, I don't think we've ever even talked about hooks on this show like that. You know, it kills all vegetation and plankton behind <laughs> you. The water is crystal clear. <laughs> this is in the. I know you hate the word, but prototype phase and and it just destroys the entire fishery and if you want the deluxe model it runs on a v8 cummins (laughs) so you can just crank (laughs) 
<laughs> big cat engine on it. Yeah. It's 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 crazy though. Like when you think of hooks, you, like musky hooks that are uh, prevalent, mustads, VMCs, um, eagle claws. Mm-hmm. I think of those. Yep. I think of those three, and they're all a little bit different. The mustads have a have a decent barb. They need and a decent point on them to start. Decent, but they need work. They need work. Um, They they sharpen easy because it's a softer metal. The eagle claws come out really sharp from the from the factory, and they they are a harder metal. They are a harder metal, and I've noticed the most that that when I do find like a blem one, I have to sharpen it the most because the three points on it kind of look like a they have like the roundness of your pointer finger. I'm like, Oh my God, but they have a giant barb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and VMCs are extremely sharp out of the gate. And some of them, depending on the model, have a very, very small barb. Um, so there's just, there's nothing perfect. Um, with it, uh, it's just things that go through your mind when you miss a fish. Yeah, that's what that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anyway, anyway, that day, um, that day it was it was pouring like crazy, and it was just like front after front that came through, and um, on my boat this year, it's something that I always say do not put on my boat uh but they just did it this year because they missed something um and it's called it's the option to have an electronic drain plug okay okay so the idea is hey you put your boat in if you forget to put your plug in you can just twist this button and it puts it in for you it's electronic I, it, it, that's what it is. It, it really isn't. It, I was gonna say because mine has one. It, it's like a cable, and when you like plug in, plug out, and you can just you know you, you flip this like switch is like a Perco style type switch. Th- th- that's what it is. But I, I think it's electronic because it comes with a battery gauge on it for your battery. So regardless, it's it's like the electronic whatever package. Uh, okay, it's still manual. Sounds great, yes. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I mean, yeah, for for that few seconds of inconvenience, this would definitely make my life better. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, if you flip that lever, it's it's not always, uh, it's not as strong as if you would do it manually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you could imagine, you know, that if, if there's something out of your drain plug that has, uh, for, you know, a stem of a leaf, a a leaf, a weed, anything like that, you're not going to get a proper seal. Mm -hmm. And if you're not actively like looking at it and saying like, Oh, you know, you still need to pay attention to it. You still need to pay attention to it. Absolutely. Um, so this happens to me on that day. Now it's raining overnight. 
I have the drain plug out. I drive down to the ramp. Uh, it's, it's obviously raining. It's uncomfortable. Hello. How are you? We're getting the boat ready back the boat. And I hit, I use the manual thing and I don't even look at it. I trust that it's in and it is, it's absolutely in, but, uh, so we get out on the water and it's raining hard, but I'm noticing a lot of water in the boat. What is that little, what would you say that little like cage is to open up and look at the, look at the inside of the boat at the, at the back where. I would call um, it like a access panel for the bilge. Yeah. An access panel for the bilge that's filled to the brim with water. And I'm like, wow, that's never happened before. Um, your bilge hasn't been kicking on. I don't have an automatic bilge. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, so I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that's crazy. Uh, and I and I just think it's from the rainwater. And um, so I hit the bilge, and it spits for like two minutes straight throughout the day, and then you know. It's raining more, and I look back, and it's the same thing. Well, what had happened was when I got back to the ramp and I pulled the boat out, I saw that there wasn't a complete seal on that um, on the plug, mm-hmm. and there were there were weeds around it, um, and, and that's what caused it to not completely go in. Now you can make it completely go in if you just like you know kick it, put your foot on it push it in or your thumb or your hand whatever um but i didn't do it that day and that's why i was having so much water on the boat and uh i put i i I put it on on the trailer and i couldn't even get the thing to open because there was so much pressure you know because you usually take it out Mm -hmm. and and let it drain that way but i had to run the bilge until there was so much water in there i had to run the bilge for it to spit it out to stop that pressure. And, uh, then I was able to reopen it. Um, I mean, just, I was just driving around all day and taking water. It was crazy from below and up top. Yeah. Some of the, uh, some of the funny things that I see now, it's funny because generally no one gets hurt, but like, holy crap, you forgot to put the plug in and you see the boat Mm -hmm. like really squatting and if you can oh, yeah. get that thing up on plane, you can drain the boat just by Absolutely. driving around on plane because there's no water right back there. And you, right. know, you, you can kind of save it to where you're like, okay, drive around. I think it's all out. Get back to the dock. Get it on the thing real quick, and you're going to be fine. But if, if right. your thing wouldn't even open, <laughs> that wouldn't have helped you. You would have been relying all on your bilges. All on the bilges, and then you know, if there was an electrical issue, I would have been screwed at that point. Um, but I, I like that. I like just doing it on my own. I like just the screw in one. Yeah. Like, like for mine, I rarely take my plug out. Like I know people that religiously every day they get their boat out, they pull the plug and you know, whatever. I rarely do mine. So like mine is like a cable that like, I don't know, like, like the old, like if you can imagine like those kids, like toy guns 
that like are like mm. pump action rifles and like when mm-hmm. they when they pull back it goes pop but then when they go forward the string brings the little cork back into the end of the barrel that's what yeah. that's what reminds me of of how mine is there's like a I, for lack of a better term a string that goes mm-hmm. through and like when i pull it the cable pulls the string and it pulls this little red cap looking thing into there and then what i do is like well that's not tight enough so i take my thumb and i ram it all the way in mm-hmm. and i'm like that's how we go and then i'm like oh how am i going to get this out so i have to like grab it with pliers and like pull it out yeah but i don't want it to i don't want it to leak mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyways that happened to me and i can also see that being a problem with those things like uh in in the later parts of the month or of the year, excuse me, like when it's October, November, and it freezes overnight, and you have some ice build up there, mm-hmm. I can see that being a problem. So I'm I'm very cognizant of it now. Um, I guess I could cut the thing and just put an old school in there, but uh, it's also a brand new boat. Yes, and uh, but, but I'm I'm not going to do that for the for the next owner. But uh, I just I just like that idea of just human being you know it's part of my routine to to launch the boat you know mm-hmm. putting that thing in yep so yeah they they literally do not sink though that's really cool that's right so like you'd be you'd be fine i mean you might not get great gas mileage and it'd cost you a lot longer to you know more money to uh to, <laughs> to, to get out there yeah <laughs> for sure yeah but all right, you want to wrap yeah. it up? Yeah, wrap it up. All right. All good. All right, big thanks to Fat AZ Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, and Aqua Traction. So, uh, unfortunately, you guys aren't going to see my 14-minute monologue, but we covered a lot of it here. So, uh, <laughs> everyone, uh, stay safe. Good luck fishing.